Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz vocal icon and guitarist Tina Shalesky. She opened up about her new 2024 CD, The Good Life, that stands as her first jazz standards recording under the banner of Shifting Paradigm Records. Teaming up with a stellar ensemble, she embarks on a transformative jazz journey. Her illustrious career spans over four decades, garnering numerous accolades, including a prestigious star adorning First Avenue's legendary star wall. Renowned for her impassioned vocal delivery and magnetic stage presence, her pivot into the realm of jazz signifies a poignant milestone and a stellar career. Enjoy this interview. Hey, it's great to meet you. Thanks for taking a minute out today. Oh, my goodness. No, thank you. It's nice to meet you as well. I, anytime I get to talk about music is, is, a good, is a good time. So Absolutely. I want to delve into some positive things, so let's get in to your music, your latest album. But before we do that, I want to know as a musician, you know, heading up on this four-year anniversary of the pandemic, how did you make it through that time period, and how did it subsequently change you? Oh my goodness! And well, you know what? It it was uh, it was. I look back at that, and it just seems like such a blur. A lot of it was routine, routine, routine. I think, um, and um, thankfully, I had a few, you know, people, friends of mine from Minneapolis and whatnot, were doing projects here and there that I would just record some background vocals for or do whatever. I didn't. I didn't spend it cocooning, creating like I thought I would, um, which was kind of interesting. And it was I found it really difficult because right before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of work. I was just starting to sing, doing this, singing jazz and doing stuff like that. And then I was writing like some original music and just things were happening and everything came to a screeching halt. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a, it was... I'm, I'm glad it's over, and but I'm still feeling the 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 effects of it, the shrapnel, you I would say, you know, of the the holes here and there, and just rebuilding that, you know, touring muscles and and reaching out and and playing with people. It's like, yeah, it's been it. It's, uh, yeah, I I didn't really enjoy it. I have to say. Yeah, it almost doesn't seem like it's real because I know on my end of things, I ramped up my interviews. And just talking to everybody about, you know, massive hunks of schedules falling away and no one could do anything. It just didn't seem, it almost seems like it was a dream. But um, it has to feel good to have an album out now, though. Yes, yes. And, you know, and, and, and have to, you know, I feel like in a way, I think that I wouldn't have done this album if it wasn't for COVID because it was right before COVID is when I, just I wasn't even had an attention an intention to rec- record a jazz record, but I just wanted to sort of document like these guys that I was working with in Minneapolis. I love them, Cody and Pete and everything. And and I'm like, let's just record it. And we did a few songs, and then all of a sudden the world shut down. It was like whoa. And then I completely forgot that we did those sessions. And then re-listening to them like in the mid of COVID, I'm thinking, you know what, this is kind of cool. Maybe we should, maybe we should do something with this. And, and then it was just like um, over the year, or it took us about a year just going back and forth and taking our time and, and um, creating this record. It was just kind of a, I've never recorded an album quite like this. That's for sure. So what are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album? I think I would, you know, typically I, I, 
I really would love to just create a nice, like, mood for people and to give them something that they can just put on when they're just hanging out, you know, having a, a good dinner or just hanging out with friends or just wanting to be just to relax and just kind of let the record kind of create the the atmosphere around them, you know. I, I, I've i never really, you know, my music, the where I was kind of originally from, like, Americana singer-songwriter, you know, it's like you really want to draw the listener in to, like, listen to the lyrics and all this. And I, of course, I want that from this record, but I I like it sort of just creating a atmosphere um, in the background type of thing, which I think is kind of nice, too. So let's get into your roots here. Talk to me a little bit about what, how, did, how did music become your passion? How did you grow into this multifaceted artist you are today? I feel uh, my parents, especially my mom, really, really, she loved music and she would be blasting everything from Luciano Pavarotti to um, Chris Christopherson to Joni Mitchell to Janis Joplin to the Beatles. Like I had such a wide variety of, of music introduced in my life. My grandmother was, she sang in the Russian opera. So my that side of my family played a lot of sort of opera and that type of music. And then when I grew up, I started working in a record store, and then it's like the best education because you get all these, all your other, you know, like work mates, you know, they're listening to all different kinds of music. And I remember my manager, like one of the first records, because she knew that I liked to sing, and she said, here, like, listen to this Lambert Hendrickson Ross record. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know? And then, so that, that was kind of like an introduction to sort of like jazz in that way, and then she turned me on to like a Love Supreme John Coltrane. And then I was getting all my other, like David Bowie, Iggy Pop, Janis Joplin. And, and then you get into the Joni Mitchell. And then you get the gateway to the Thelonious Monk and Jacob Pistorius. So like, I just felt like I just loved music so much and I was absorbing it, it all and just trying to, um, and use that as a, all those influences and use that as an output for anything that I was expressing with music. But I never quite had the the courage to really do a full-on jazz thing like I, like with this record, you know, and um, I just, I really, I loved it. And I think that, and I'm so happy that people are, they seem to enjoy it. So it's nice. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of live music, what was the first, live show that you ever saw that blew you away that made you think, man, I want to be up there one day? Oh, my goodness. Uh, a first live show, that would be, um, you know, I. that's so difficult because when I was really, really young, my mom would listen to Elvis Presley. And so, of course, like, you know, that would be like he had that big Hawaiian special, like, on TV. And I remember just being young and just, like, thinking, like, whoa, like, whatever he's doing, I want to do. And then it wasn't until when I got, you know, I I mean, I have to say, my, my sister, like, took me to um, an Ario Speedwagon was one of my first lives. But I have to say that that wasn't something that I didn't think, like, wow, I want to be on stage doing that. <laughs> but yeah. that was, like, you know, you, you feel the energy of people being at a concert, and you're just like, you know, wow. And then... Then I saw David Bowie live, and that was just mind-blowing. I guess that would be my first, um, you know, like that on a scale of like, like if I can get there, 
that would be amazing. So, yeah, I would say Bowie would be my first live experience. Yeah, that would be amazing. I got, yeah, I, I got kind of an interesting story before the pandemic happened. The last show I saw was Bill Frizzell. And I remember, um, I, I, I baptized my wife in jazz. She's, she's become kind of a student and really gotten involved. And she was like, what can I expect from Bill Frizzell? It's like, don't know. <laughs> His nature. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we get in there, and he's playing at our gallery. It's like the 8th of March. The very first COVID case hit, like, Kansas. Like, no one really knew what was going on. So it, Petra Hayden was singing, and it was a trio. And at one point, she stood up, and she started singing We Shall Overcome, and the crowd just started rising, like, like wow. hell before, like, a tornado was coming. And we all just kind of knew something was coming. So we're all swaying. And then just to just to, to, to pay homage to the eclectic nature of Bill, the song right after that was Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> no. <laughs> the cover of that. Yeah. So that's just what he does. So anyway, when you said that, I was just thinking about COVID, my last show. But that show was amazing, and it was the last wow. music that I would see for years. So it was quite a send-off, so to speak. I mean, um, that would that is a, a beautiful send-off. I mean, how... You know, it's shows like that that I just feel like, you know, you've got your generic shows that you go and see, but, like, what you just described, that, that is like, you know, that, there are those one shows that, that go in a completely different category that it's almost like a spiritual, religious-like experience that you have that is just yeah. so profound. That's amazing. Absolutely. It is. So I'm curious, how did the road lead to California? Talk to me a little bit about your career and how you're where you're at right now? Um, well, when we first, well, after like my band Tune the B sides, we got signed to to um, Warner Brothers, Sire Records, and I moved to LA to be sort of closer to the label, I guess, and just thinking that that's what you do. I got a little taste of California. I didn't particularly care for it, and then and and also my first, well, my girlfriend. I was living with my girlfriend at the time in outside of Los Angeles, and then we broke up, and then the band started to, like, basically disintegrate, so I moved back to Minneapolis, and then then just toured around a lot, and basically lived like a nomad, and then I met my, my partner that I've been with now for the past 20-some years, and she had a place in Santa Barbara, and that's where I just kind of ended up living, was here and we've got two kids and just but it was fortunately being a musician I can sort of travel anywhere and I've spent my time like I go back to Minneapolis probably like once a month you know going back there and and I've got my my band and musicians that I would like to work with here but my core of musicians and people are still back in Minneapolis that I constantly going back and forth to but it's yeah so it's there's a lot of air miles <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine so. So, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time now. I'm curious, what is it that you like the best about being a professional musician? I think it's that the fact that, I, you know, I, that anyone that works in a, something that a craft that they, you know, love. And that is, for me, that is what I love, the constant work at the craft, even um and the moment that that gets boring or I feel like I can't learn anything more or it's not, you know, feeding me in a certain way, then I, then I will end it. But 
I love the the working of the craft, and I love talking to other musicians and other artists that also do the same. And I just, it's that constant input and learning. I mean, much like how um, stepping into doing, like, right before COVID, and I really was feeling this sort of artistic, like, I just want to do something different. And that's when I really delved into singing jazz and just really learning, like, wow, like, this is, I'm a blues singer at heart. And you know, you can fake a lot of notes and fake the, you know, <laughs> whatever. But when you sing jazz, that is a completely different beast. And um, it's, it was just, it felt so good to, to uh, really force yourself. And like, you're just like, you become a young student again. And that is, I think, what I love most about being, you know, a professional musician, that constant learning, that constant working of the craft. And, but it, of course, the people and the the experience that they feel from it as well as you grow and learn is 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 quite you know is is an amazing thing. I feel like a very very lucky person that I get to do what I do. So you know, as you mentioned, you're multi genre, and and I'm curious for the purposes of us being a jazz show. At the end of the day, why do you love jazz? I love the freedom of it, and I think the older I get, I even realize even more the the it is it is the ultimate free form of of music and i and i know that people it's and it's so hard to describe until you really start to listen to it and appreciate it like what these musicians are bringing to this you know like a simple 12 bar blues it's like it it the i love that 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 feeling of like it is the possibilities are endless you know with time signatures with notes with where you're going to go and 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 i love because for me, being a musician, what I absolutely loved about bringing this or going into this jazz genre was the same as like when you're a young musician and you don't know what you're doing and you're looking at your other bandmates and you're like, where are you going? And, and, and that's how I learned music. And then getting older and now being with, in, with jazz, you, you sense that on the stage. It's like this kind of almost like danger, like, okay, where are you going to go? And then when you feel that from the, the trumpet player, the, the bass player, or whatever, and, and then you take it to another place, and, like, everybody's kind of challenging each other, and I just, I love that. And it's just, I, I just, you know, you just get kind of just, I get really excited by it, and I love listening to it when it's been recorded like that, too. It's, like, it's just amazing. And, you know, I mean, my gosh, I could go on and on, because, like, then there's, like, the Billie Holiday, her voice and, like, her tone and where she goes, it's, I just, I love it all. So it's, it's, yeah, I guess that's why I like, I like, you know, jazz. So let me ask you this. If you could go back into a time machine, go back in time and see any jazz musician anywhere, where are you going? Whew. I think it would have to be, oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, I, I feel like it would have to be Billie Holiday, probably like, you know, in the late fifties, I think, you know, um, like sort of like hopefully before she she was uh that before she was like um feuding with Lester <laughs> um and just like when she had those you know moments of that playing with you know that I think that would be I would love to see her in some small club down there and you know in New York City and yeah that'd be amazing I just did a show last week it was a full retrospective on the Apollo Theater. I had found a uh, illustrated history of the Apollo and a dollar band, and I was intrigued. And I actually found a recording from 1960 
of her performing Strange Fruit in Apollo Theater. Oh. And it was really cool. Oh, my yeah. God. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. That just gave me chills. That would, that's, that's, wow. Oh, yeah. That's, that, there's, there's nothing better than that. Um, so the brand new album is aptly called The Good Life. And, um, what, what are you doing to, or as far as touring, getting out, people to see you? Where's the best place to get this album that, that kind of good business? Well, the album, so it's going to be, you can get it, um, on, uh, through my website, and then it, I'm doing a album release show in Minneapolis on March 1st at the Ice House, uh, and then I will be, hopefully, we're trying to, it's kind of bad timing for myself, my daughter's getting married in April, so we're trying to organize the tour around, uh, you know, getting it, you know, so I can still be here for the wedding and whatnot, but we're going to, we're working on various dates um, around, on the East Coast and the West Coast. And um, hopefully, I want to go to, hopefully we're working on Chicago, and we're working on New York, San Francisco, L.A., and a few other places. So we're still kind of gathering some dates right now, but all that stuff will be listed on my website very soon. Wonderful, Gina. This has been great. Thank you so much for opening up about the album, about your life and music. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in L.A., Minneapolis, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Tina for her time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Jazz.